chapter 4. Started last week on, and I ask you to stand with me, Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, for the reading of God's Word. Colossians chapter 4, we're going to read chapter 4, verses 7 to 14. And actually, we're not going to get to 14, so we'll just stop at verse 13. Um, Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, together. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye received commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Stop there, because I only am going to get that far. We'll talk uh, about Epaphras next week. So you may be seated. We've already prayed. <clears throat> We're talking about gospel teamwork because the, the gospel cannot be done by one individual. Not even Jesus did everything alone. Yes, he saved alone, but to turn the world upside down, he said, you know what, I could use angels, those are helpers, I could use nature, but I use people. And he, the whole purpose of Christianity is to get people together. It's called the assembling of ourselves together. For what purpose? Yes, for preaching, yes, for singing, yes, for fellowship, but for serving, for ministering, for going. And so it's called teamwork. It is the gospel ministry. Now, there's some preliminary thoughts that I've given you. Paul is basically saying there are five things that these 12 men that we're looking at here were to be doing in the ministry with him. They were supposed to do the work of the ministry. And it is work, by the way. It is not something where you, you, you know, you just spend a Saturday night, throw some things together on a napkin, and then wing it on a Sunday morning. Uh, no, there is work in the ministry. Then you're supposed to work together in the ministry. It is so easy to have someone who seems to be able to preach and to lead singing and to organize and just leave it to that person. But no, we're supposed to always pull together and make a bigger team than just one or two or three. Third, Salute everybody as a family. Make sure you, man, when you see uh, Kelly, you just go, hey, wow, and, and realize she's family. And yeah, there are four million miles away up there in Limerick, but it is a blessing to see her down here. It'd be really cool someday, I never do these things, but I always think about it, that we would all say, we're not having church tonight, we're all driving up to Limerick and go and surprise Keith and resuscitate him after the heart attack. But I don't know if it all fit in the, the building. I haven't seen this new building that you guys have been getting in. But wouldn't it be so cool to just do that, to minister to him, to show up on a Sunday morning? I don't know how to cancel a Sunday morning service and just go over to Danny and Kathy. I mean, dancing there at the door, and he sees 15, 20 cars pull up there. Ah! But treat him as family. And then pass the scriptures around and learn them well. We take it for granted. You can pick up a whole King James Bible for a euro. But in those days, they had to hand copy. If you wanted a copy of the Bible, you had to sit down and for a month of Sundays, write out copy. And they were doing that and realized 
we have gospel tracts, we have New Testaments, we have Bibles, make sure they get into people's hands. Then we said, to, uh, then uh, this, the rest, the last part of, the, of uh, Colossians chapter 4 says, we better depend upon grace. The only reason why any of us are still breathing is because God is good and God has willed that we should still be living. In any moment, God could say, time's up and we could be gone, individually or as the rapture. So depend upon that grace. So we've been talking about working together in the ministry. And when we talk about working together, we're talking about as a team, uh, like Jesus did. You, you, you find Jesus alone when he's praying, but his, his disciples are watching him. And when he finishes praying, they say, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, just like you did. Everywhere Jesus was, there were always men around him who were learning how to be like him. But work together as a team like Paul and Timothy did. You, you, Timothy seems to have been his, his uh, best partner in the ministry. And they got along like a house on fire, which was kind of weird. How do you get along like that? But anyway, um, we, locked, we looked at last week, we looked at a guy named Epaphras, uh, who was part of that team, and also a guy that I still haven't figured out. I was going to look it up in the Greek, whether it's Tychicus, like Eric says, or Tychicus, like I think it is. Anyway. I'll have to look it up. Whatever his name is, we'll figure it out in heaven, and he will be uh, uh, quite humorous to get to meet. But work together like these did. Now, today, we're going, and we're going on, we're moving on, and looking at a guy named Onesimus. Look at chapter 4 in verse 9. When we're working together, he, Paul gives us another name here. He says, make sure you include some guys that are like Onesimus. Look at verse 9. He says, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they, he's talking about Tychicus and Onesimus, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. So he introduces us to this guy named Onesimus. Now go to the last verse of chapter 4, verse 18, and there is a postscript. How many ever wrote a letter and then at the bottom you went P.S.? All right, well... In, in some Bibles, they actually include a little, what's called a postscript or a subscript that has little uh, brackets around it. And it says these words. Um, uh, verse 18 says, The salutation by the hand of me, Paul. This is Paul's own handwriting at the end of the letter. Remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. And then it says these words. Written from Rome to Colossians by Tychicus and Onesimus. Now, who was this Onesimus guy? He was a Colossian himself. He says, Onesimus, which is one of you, he was a Colossian. And where was he at this point? He was with Paul. Now, Onesimus had been a servant or a slave, actually, of a man named um, uh, uh, Philemon. And uh, uh, he had run away from Philemon, ended up, somehow, accidentally, or, or uh, somehow, was, was caught. Slaves who had fled from their owners were, were not freemen. They were captured. I don't know if he was caught stealing food or whatever. We don't know. We just know that he got in trouble and he got imprisoned, which was not a bad thing. Do you know why? Because he was there he met Paul. You never know where you're going to meet somebody you ought to witness to. And there in prison, Onesimus gets saved. And when, when, when Onesimus, uh, Paul, when he led that slave to faith in Jesus Christ, God's grace 
freed Onesimus in every way. Freedom from the bondage of sin and even from the bondage of slavery. Because Paul determined to write a letter from prison. Uh, actually, Paul wasn't uh, in prison at the time he writes the letter to Philemon, but he writes the letter to the ex-owner, who didn't know he was the ex-owner yet. He writes and he says, by the way, Onesimus is my friend now. He's a free, he's a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not yours anymore. And he, the whole book of Philemon puts, Philemon, uh, puts Philemon in aware that, you know what, whom the Lord has made free is free indeed. And he had to let him go. And because God's grace frees in every way. And you ought to read Philemon with the understanding that this is the same Onesimus that used to be forced to serve a master, human masters. But after he got saved, he willingly served the Lord, which meant he willingly, out of his own desire, served others and served Paul. You know, nobody's ever free to do as they please. What We were servants of what before we got saved? Somebody tell me. We were servants of ourselves. We were servants of sin. We were servants of Satan. But when we got saved, oh, we were free to do as we wanted, right? No, we became the servants of righteousness. We became the servants of Jesus Christ. So Onesimus is a great picture of that. Now, this slave did not use his freedom to run, but to willingly serve, which I like. This, this ex-slave was awesome. I think he's really cool because I, I, I never read of him becoming a pastor or a missionary or a church starter. But this slave, we call him a slave because he was owned by somebody. He was able to read. He was able to write. He was able to serve. Maybe, I'm sure he was able to preach he was able to soul win, and he was known, look there in verse 9, he was known as a faithful what? A faithful and beloved brother. Wow. See, Christians have a different view of slavery. We see a person, I don't care what your nationality is, I don't care what you've been through, I don't care what your skin color is, if you're saved, you're family. Amen? You're a brother, you're a sister in Christ. This guy was really cool. He was a great help to Paul. Now, who's Onesimus in, in a church? Well, they are, let me go back here, they are the ex-addicts, the ex-convicts, the seemingly lowest people in society. I'll take them, because they make great Christians, amen? You see, the right kind of church doesn't have all the same kind of people, all the same background, all the same color, all the same culture. No, no, no. The right kind of church has Jesus Christ and we as servants. Amen. Now, uh, the, uh, the best kind of churches that I've been in are the ones who uh, uh, an addict feels comfortable coming to and knows that they're going to be loved. And somebody who's got a history. Listen, how many, of you have how, how many of you have history? Let me see your hand. You don't want anybody to know all the depths of that history. But we come into Christianity bringing baggage, don't we? Well, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of people that God takes. That's the kind of people that God uses to serve others. As a matter of fact, the best servants are the ones who are willing to go low. Amen? And when we have people who are like, you know, well, I, 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 
I could never go to a door and knock on a door. It's just, it's just too tough for, for my refined, this is what they want to say, but they never say it, but for my refined nature to, to humble myself and give the gospel the door. You know what I find? Somebody who's an ex-addict or somebody with a lot of uh, history, they have no problem giving the gospel at the door or on the street or on the, or, or, or on the job. Listen, folks, some of the best soul winners are those who know that, you know what, I'm nothing, but Jesus is everything to me. Let me tell you about him. Amen? That's what Onesimus was. And I don't doubt that there were people who would never listen to Paul. They would have met Paul and go, too smart. They would have met Paul going, too much of a Jew that Onesimus could preach to and give the gospel to and lead to Christ. There are people that I can't talk to that Dean can talk to, that they wouldn't listen to me because I'm an American. But they'll listen to you because you're just that bit weird. No, anyway, um, it, is, it, is, it is great to include in the teamwork of the gospel ministry anybody who's been washed, who's been sanctified, who's been justified, who's now living for God, no matter what your history is. Aren't you glad that God's a God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances? Amen. So, in the gospel work, include as many Onesimuses as possible. Let's move to the next guy. In verse 10, introduces a guy named Aristarchus. Verse, verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. Now just stop there for a second. Just, just briefly, he says, oh, and Aristarchus here, the guy in prison with me. So outside the prison door are two guys, Tychicus, and Onesimus, they're kind of trying to keep up with Paul dictating this letter. Inside the prison is Aristarchus. You got to tell me, you need good friends like that around you, amen? You need somebody <laughs> who even got into prison with you. Aristarchus, go to Philemon. You're in uh, Colossians. Go to the right. Find Philemon chapter, there's only one chapter. In verse 24, Philemon is just before Hebrews. <clears throat> I'll start on the very back there. Brother John, would you read verse 24? Okay. He, he loves um, honoring the people who are working with him. He loves saying, and guess who's with this other group? Aristarchus is there. Now, go to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Brother Andrew, would you read Acts 19 and verse uh, 29? <clears throat> do you know, you probably do, hate asking you this, you're almost as bad as Barry, but do you, can you tell us what's the context of them grabbing Aristarchus and Gaius? Idolatry.
Hmm. And they couldn't find Paul, but guess who's right there, just standing there, minding his own business, Aristarchus and Gaius, and they said, well, let's grab them. And they grab them, they bring them, drag them into the middle of this great Colosseum theater, and they cry out for two hours, great is Diana of the Ephesians, under threat. They're, getting, they're going to torture or hurt or whatever, stone or whatever they could do to these guys. So Aristarchus seems to be with Paul wherever he's at, even when it's hot and heavy. And Aristarchus, I like these words there in verse 24. Watch again. Is it 24? No, verse 29. It says, Aristarchus, Paul's companions in travel. Who was this Aristarchus? He was a constant companion of the Apostle Paul. What's companion mean? Friend. I like that. What else? Say again. Partner. I like that. That's a good Southern Texan term. What else does companion mean? Someone by your side. Come on now. Now we're digging. Sorry? I can't hear. A brother. Okay. Sometimes uh, brothers are not companions, but <laughs> they should be. Right? A companion is, is something that we yearn for. It's not just it's not just a person or even a partner. I mean, you can have a business partner and, and really not be close. A companion is somebody you're close to. Husband and wife are supposed to be companions, amen? They're supposed to be compatible. So here is a guy who was a constant companion of the Apostle Paul. No matter where he traveled, and believe me, Paul traveled a lot of miles. He just went everywhere as a traveling evangelist, preaching, and starting churches. One, he was also known as one of the fellow laborers in the ministry. You'll find that word labor and work throughout this list. He calls them my fellow workers, my fellow laborers. It, it is a serious thing to do the work of the ministry. Uh, and he's also, he ends up being a prisoner with him at Rome. So if you consider yourself my friend, and if I'm going to be faithful to that Bible, guess what? You and me both are going to get in trouble. Amen. And if I consider you a friend, and you're giving the gospel out, I want you to know I will stand with you, even if you get in trouble. That's what a church does. Companions in the ministry. Can we not be that? Can we not realize that we've got to stick together? Aristarchus, evidently, he's a free man. But then when Paul's in trouble, he goes and finds Paul, and somehow they go, oh, you're one of those Christians? And you go as well, and he goes right into prison with Paul. And Paul says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. I think, God bless you, I think Paul took comfort with somebody who was willing to even go into prison with him. There's another guy that ended up in prison with Paul. Who was that? We talked about it a little bit this morning. Silas. Silas. That's a better friend than we've got usually, don't we? I mean, most of them would say, Paul, you're headed the wrong direction. I'm going this way. Paul had some good friends. And really, a team needs good people like this. He was, he was a good man to have part of the gospel team, good man to have a part of a church. By the way, a church is a functioning body of believers that works together to reach our, our, our world. We have two more guys we're going to look at tonight. Uh, Marcus. Now, let's look at chapter 4, verse 10, back there in Colossians. Here comes this name of this guy, Marcus. <clears throat> How many of you knew Marcus was in the Bible? 
How many of you knew it? How many of you didn't know it? Let me see your hands. You didn't know it. <laughs> All right, Colossians. Chapter 4 in verse 10 says this. I'm in Philippians, sorry. Get up to chapter 4, verse 10. He says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, he sends greeting, he salutes you. And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. What do we say? My nephew. All right, his nephew, sorry. Barnabas' nephew. Touching whom you received commandments. We told you about him. And if he come unto you, receive him. So here we got this guy named Marcus. Who is Marcus? We also know him as John Mark. Let's go to the Gospel of John chapter 12. And I'll ask Jennifer if you'll read John 12, 12. That's not what I'm looking for. I hate that. Acts 12, 12. Why did I think John? Acts 12, 12. Kelly, does your husband ever do that, or am I the only one that can't write down the right thing? It's just, you... <laughs> I'm... <laughs> oh, now she's calling me old. Thanks a lot. Oh, the knives are coming out of every direction. Anyway, <laughs> he'd not been at it as long as you. Anyway, Acts 12, 12. Let me recover from this, okay? <laughs> Jennifer, it's okay. Yes, quick, quick, read real quick. Acts 12, 12. Right, who's the he? Who's coming to this house of Mary? It's Peter. He's been released from prison, and he goes to, now this is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is another Mary. It was a very popular name there, like it is in Ireland. And when he got there, she's the mother of a guy named John, whose last name was Mark. So John Mark. He's also the nephew of Barnabas, as we read. Barnabas had a sister, and it was, he was her son. Hey, let me tell you, isn't it nice having family with you? Serving the Lord. One thing that I never got, when I got saved, I never got a younger brother. I have one younger brother. I have a younger sister. I have an older brother. My mom came to church with me sometimes, but I was basically alone at church. I'm glad my mom's saved. I'm glad my older brother's saved. But there is something precious about having even a nephew serve God with you. Amen? Never discount when your mom is here and your sister is here. Boy, what a great gift that is. So Marcus was nephew of Barnabas, and Barnabas is a cool dude. Barnabas, you'd want to have a friend called Barnabas. He was, however, a weaker brother. He was not ready for the spiritual battle of the ministry, and yet he wanted the ministry. Amen. Go to Acts chapter 13. And let's see, Kelly, I'm going to have you read. I didn't know it was going to be you, but you're going to have a couple of scriptures here. Acts chapter 13, in verse, verses 2 to 5, first off. <clears throat> this is Paul and Barnabas, by the way.
So who's tagging along with him? This is not John the Baptist. He's dead. This is not the Apostle John. This is John Mark, who's tagging along with his uncle Barnabas. So what can you get from the desire from Mark, from John Mark, sorry. What do you get from the desire? What can you see about the desire of John Mark? He wants to do something. He wants to be in a spiritual work. He's got a good heart, and he says, Uncle Barney, can I come with you? Barnabas says, sure. Now, Paul's not so sure, okay? But Barnabas says, come on, because Barnabas is a, is a um, uh, he's just a believer. He just believes in everybody. He wants to help anybody, okay? He helped out a murderer named Saul of Tarsus, you know, be accepted by the believers. He just loves letting people attempt to serve God. Now pick it up in verse 8. We're going to watch the spiritual atmosphere of their ministry, which they are called to, and watch it go south, and John's going to have trouble with it. Start in verse 8. <clears throat> keep going. Yeah, please, keep going. Okay, what was Jerusalem to John? It was home. He went back home. So he was all gung-ho, all excited about doing something great for God. Excellent. Barnabas trying to... To, to introduce him to the ministry. Barnabas didn't know what they were getting into. And as soon as they got outside of Israel and they went up to this island and Paul and Barnabas start preaching, a demon-possessed man comes up and tries to stop the preaching. And believe me, if you ever deal with spiritual warfare, it'll wear you out. And young Christians don't know what they're getting into when they, when they say, let me preach. And I've seen people stand behind this pulpit, and the first time they preach, the sweat is pouring off of their face. Why? Because they're doing something they've never done before, and they're trying to do it spiritually. And it is tough, and the devil's fighting, and you don't know how to resist. You don't know how to walk. And he saw Elimaeus um, uh, try to resist, and he felt the spiritual attack, and he saw Paul re rebuke him and give him blindness, and, and it just was too much for him. He went home. Marcus. Now, what's cool, this is, now when I say a weaker brother, it's not a derogatory, he just wasn't ready for it yet. He wasn't ready for it yet. He was, and thank God for Barnabas, because he was encouraged by his uncle Barnabas, and he became, later on, he became so invaluable to Paul's later ministry. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
I'm going to ask Alan, do you mind reading a few verses, Alan? Would you? You're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and you're going to read verse 9, 10, and 11, please. 2 Timothy 4, 9, 10, and 11. <clears throat> Thessalonica. Crescens. Galatia. Unto Dalmatia. So Paul says... I've just got Luke with me. Demas has left. So-and-so's going over here. So-and-so's over there. Would you bring Mark with you when you come, Timothy? Because he's a blessing to me now. He'll be a help to me in the ministry. He wasn't a help when he went home. <laughs> I mean, thanks a lot, John Mark. But he says, now, now he's a help. Now I need him more than ever. And that's a good thing because Barnabas helps people. Barnabas later on, when Paul and Barnabas split up and Paul takes Silas, guess who Barnabas takes with him in the, in, in the ministry? And they go, he takes John Mark with him. And he makes John Mark into a great man of God. So, um, now I have, in, in, in my reading, John Mark never started a great church. But I don't know if you've noticed or not, but he left one lasting great legacy for all eternity. What was it? The Gospel of Mark. Now, why isn't it called the Gospel of John? Because that's already going to be taken by the Apostle John. So he had a convenient second name that he used, Mark. So John Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark. Wow. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you realize when he tried to serve God, he hadn't written the Gospel of Mark yet. He failed. Let's just put the word there. In his mind, he failed. Messed up, didn't work out, couldn't handle it, went home. Thank God for the Barnabases who come and say, come on, come on. Let's, let's, let's serve God again. Let's see if there's just whatever God can do, he'll, you, he'll do it. Don't worry about your strengths or your weaknesses. Let's just go again. And later on, John Mark ends up writing what became the second gospel of the New Testament. Pretty important that we encourage one another, isn't it? And it's even more important that we allow ourselves to be encourageable. Does that make sense? That we allow ourselves to, instead of going, well, I failed. How many of you have failed in your attempt to live for God? Let me see both hands. <laughs> Amen. Allow yourself to be encouraged so that you say, you know what? I may not have been ready then, but God's going to make me ready sometime. And I want to just serve the Lord. Marcus, even though he wasn't this... See, we get this idea we have to have perfect people in the ministry. Let me help you there. There are no perfect people in the ministry. Um, by the way... <clears throat> 
So the Marcuses in a church are the Christians who have failed. I use that because they have, you know, you know nobody ever fails until they quit. Until they say, I'm not going to read my Bible anymore, then you fail. Well, I'm not going to go soul winning anymore, then you fail. Well, I'm not going to go to church anymore. You then join the rank of failure. But if you keep crawling forward, just trying to serve God as a zero, God seems to just bless it, man. There are no failures in Christianity. Um, by the way, I want to say this. Peter loved working with Marcus because look at 1 Peter chapter 5, Brother Dan, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13. So who also took Marcus under his wing? Guess what? Tell me, did Peter ever fail? Yeah. Woo! So do you think that Marcus felt really close to Peter and enjoyed working with Peter for a while? And Peter prepared Marcus so that Marcus now could work with Paul. Because I bet you, to Marcus... Paul seemed like an impossible, I could never be like Paul. But you could work with him. Maybe Peter has to help you. But isn't that awesome? How God just guides a life so that you can finally do what God designed you to do. Marcus, we, we all think that I can't preach, I can't teach, I can't do this. And the truth is, none of us can. But God works with all the Marcuses. It makes a team. It is absolutely, I love these names. If you just had a Bible that says, do, don't, stop, go, command, prohibit, that would be a dead book. But this is filled with people that we can learn from and relate to. Last person. A guy named Jesus, which also had another name named Justice. And if I had the name Jesus, I would change it too. So anyway, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 11. Colossians 4, in verse 11. And Jesus, he's mentioning these different people. He says, and Jesus, which is called justice. Speaking of all of these, these men, Marcus including them, they are of the circumcision, which means they're Jews. These only are my kinsworkers, my fellow workers, unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Absolutely breathtaking man. We're going to stop with him. But I want you to, to understand who this guy is. Number one, he's a Jewish believer in Christ just as Paul was. And it must have been encouraging for Paul to, he's a Jew, and what people group did he normally minister to? Gentiles. All right? The very, Paul ministered to the very opposite of people he grew up loving. He grew up only loving the Jews, and he only thought of the nation of Israel. He only looked forward to the greatness of Israel. And God's got him with some barbarians, pagans, heathens, Romans, Gentiles, wicked people, preaching the gospel to him. And let me just say this. In the human sense, I bet it was just nice to have some fellow Jews with him too who were now saved. It is, it is God just puts in a church people just like you so that you're not alone. And he brings somebody alongside you. You go, oh, you understand how I feel. God just does that. Here's this guy, he's, he's a Jewish believer, he's from Corinth, and we won't look at it, but Acts chapter 18 has this guy, uh, Corinth, when Paul uh, leaves Athens and comes to Corinth, um, Crispus, 
um, and uh, this guy named Justice, they, Justice, U.S., not I-C-E, but Justice, they both get saved, and they, they start following along with Paul. But they had a great testimony. He had, sorry, he had a great testimony in the name that other Christians called him. He was called Justice. And, and that, that word simply means somebody who was fair, he was equal, he was somebody you could trust. He was somebody who didn't have any hidden agendas. You knew if you went to him with a problem, he wouldn't spread it around. He was just, he was just a just guy. He was a fair guy. He looked at problems, and he, he figured out what to do without worrying about your feelings or her feelings or his feelings. He was an awesome guy to have in the ministry. He was also a fellow worker. Did you notice that? He likes, verse 11, he says, And Jesus, who is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow, and there's that word, workers, unto the kingdom of God. So he worked alongside the, in the, Paul in the ministry, probably preaching, teaching, planning, praying, whatever it took, there was justice there. But one last thing. Guess what was probably the best part of some of these men in Paul's life? He was a comfort. You know, the ministry is, is a, is a uh, six-letter word. You ready? B-U-R-D-A-N. What does that word spell? That's the ministry. But it's nice when you just have some people in your life that are comforts, that are encouragers, that are, they just, they like, Aaron and her holding up the hands as you try to serve the Lord. That's what a family's for. That's what a church is for. That's what a husband and a wife are to each other as we serve the Lord, taking, taking turns, doing different things, helping, not burdening each other in the ministry. What does the devil want us to do? Self-destruct. But here's a guy who made sure that he ministered to Paul and was a comfort to him. Look at those characters again. He was a believer. He was from Corinth. Okay, but let's just, he was, everybody's from somewhere, amen. <laughs> he had a great testimony. He was a fellow worker, and he was a comfort. Look at those characteristics. Could not any of us do likewise? Is, is that so hard? No, it's really not. I'm going to give you a test. Real quick. When I say the name, now next week we're going to learn about Luke. Absolutely breathtaking um, study of Luke, Demas, Nymphus, and Archippus. But let me ask you a question. When I say the name Paul, what do you think? Let me raise your hand. What do you think? Missionary, okay? Here's a guy all out for God, going thousands of miles by foot. When I say the name Timothy, what do you think? A preacher, a pastor, what else? A servant, but a co-worker. Were you going to say, yeah, he, boy, he was, whatever Paul needed done, he wanted to work with Paul, a team member, probably one of Paul's closest friends in the ministry next to Luke. When I say Epaphras, what do you remember about that name? I'm sorry? Fellow labor, yes, but... He calls him a dear fellow servant. Excellent. But, yes, somebody who's burdened about people, 
And he came and met Paul to get Paul's help for his people. This is a passionate pastor. And he became a good friend of Paul, and he became an extension of Paul's church planning ministry. You can't just start a church. You've got to maintain a church. You've got to keep the church pure. And Epaphras was a way for Paul to help uh, the church up in Colossae by writing this letter to him. He was a team member as well. But Epaphras was pastor. I want you to remember the word pastor here of the people of Colossians. What about Tychicus? What did we call him last week besides Eric? What did we say was a good thing about Tychicus? Thank you. I'm completely with you. I just... There you go. There. Thank you. I just wish Eric was here to hear this. Tychicus. So what do we say? What, what comes to your mind when you think of Tychicus? That Eric was wrong. I'm putting that down in my Bible. Amen. <laughs> Lord, forgive us. Anyway, uh, but yes, Marcus, a jack of all trades, just a, a, a person ready to do whatever Paul needed. Here, Tychicus, here's a letter, and he's got to walk 700 miles to take it and go by boat. This was an incredible guy. What about Onesimus? We learned that tonight, Onesimus. They say, oh, ex-slave, excellent, but I wasn't sure what you said. I know, I know, but what else? Okay, he was, he's actually a writer, he's doing all that stuff, but what can you say? A man with history, a man with baggage, but he's serving God. He's not letting his past stop him from serving God now. Amen? That's Onesimus. Uh, what about when I say Aristarchus? Aristarchus, you say, well, I don't remember Aristarchus now. I know we just read it. <laughs> Fellow missionary, how about... How about a oh, fellow prisoner, he stood in there, excellent. But one of the things that I want you to remember, he was a constant companion. It actually says, my companion, Paul's companion in his journey. Wow, very special. What about this guy, Marcus? I find the fact that we know him. Uh, but Marcus, Jennifer? And God used him. Wow. Um, excellent. This weaker brother experienced the grace of God on weak people. Marcus, last one. Oh, what do you think of when I say Jesus, whose name was Justice? What do you think? Fair. Remember one of the words, Alan? All truthful. Okay, I would believe that. I believe that. What else? He was a comfort in the ministry. You know, I think when you come to church, it's nice to have all those different people there to greet you. You know how to get all those people there to greet you? Be one of them. Amen? Be one of them. Let's down prayer. <clears throat> Father, may we be a special place on a Sunday where people can come and meet these kind of people. Not practically perfect people, but real people. People who've been influenced 
by the Jesus, the Son of God. Lord, we learn all this from your word, but they learned it all from the life of Jesus. And it changed their lives. Can it not change ours? Is it possible that we could go further than we already are as a church and become a great team of believers, a great comfort, encouragers, fellow laborers, family? I think we can. I think that's our highest calling, to be just as Jesus was. So thank you for these names. You, you thought that they were not the best or not the most um, incredibly performing. You thought that they were the best example for all people of all time, and you put them in your word for eternity. Wow. Just because they were focused on the Lord Jesus and on serving others. May we do the same, please, so that we can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant to us. Dismiss us with your grace tonight as we go home now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You guys.